Well, I'm here with Zoe and Devon, and happy to be with you guys. Uh, Devon was a guest not too long ago, and the way, um, the reason why I contacted Devon again, um, I really enjoyed talking with him the first time, and my friend uh, Skyler, who's also been a guest in the past, he's. We were talking about racism, and he said um, he suggested that I talk to a black person about racism, whether than uh, instead of us, me and him just talking about it. So I contacted uh, Devon and I said, "Hey, you know, I had this discussion with my friend. Um, what do you think? Can we get together and just I can get your thoughts and so forth?" And he said. And Devon said, yeah. And then also, um, here I, I met Zoe this morning, Devon's sister, and uh, she, we can get her perspective too. And we can just talk about whatever um, comes up, whatever's interesting. But maybe um, let's just introduce you guys first. For people who've already listened to your last, to that episode you were on just a few weeks ago, Devon, they already know a little bit about you. But... Um, you are um, the father of four kids, and you're going to school on a wrestling scholarship. And um, anything else you want to say about yourself, just as for introduction? Well, um, here, let's get this in front of you. Well, um, I guess you should just add that I am also totally blind. And right. in case you didn't, you know, miss the last episode, and um, I kind of have a heart for for just the kids and investing in the next generation yeah cool and zoe um you said you're going to school for yes i go to maryville for um pre pa track but i'm a biochemistry major i am on the stunt team so i do that there and i also do research at maryville for general chemistry okay yeah what's a stunt team um, stunt is like, it's like cheerleading and competitive cheer all in one. A little bit of gymnastics is thrown in there too, but um, it's basically a head-to-head game format um, for cheer teams. And basically, we learn routines and learn jump routines and stuff, and compete them one-on-one and see who can do it better. Okay. Yeah. That sounds fun. It, it's very fun. A lot of challenges, especially now with COVID. A lot of challenges are thrown in the mix. It's like wrestling. Yes. What do you want to do when you get out of school? Um, I do want to be a physician's assistant and okay. a mom. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So you're just kind of starting in on the topic of racism. How would you guys define racist, racism? You want to you wanna go first, Zoe, or you want me to? Um, so, for we were just talking about this this mm-hmm. morning. Um, for black people, um, there, I believe you can be a racist black person, but society says, like, oh, you can't, black people can't be racist because we've already been oppressed. So, you can't oppress your oppressor. But I believe that if you are, like, have a judgment set up against a different race, mm-hmm then therefore you could be considered racist. Okay. So it's like um, judging another, it's judging someone else based on their race. Yes. Yes. And a lot of black people do that. Also. It's on (laughs) both sides. Yes. Okay. Well, what has, um, 
your experience been with racism, if you've experienced it, um, like what has that been like just for either of you guys? It's, I, I almost feel like I couldn't really put it into words. I mean, my first experience with racism, I was a child. I didn't understand why I couldn't play with, you know, the, the white kid next door. And we were the same age, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it just kind of made me feel like I wasn't welcome in my own, I mean, home. Like, this is my country, you know, it almost felt like I wasn't, you know, welcome or didn't belong because, you know, I was a little darker than, you know, the other kids. So it was um, based on your skin color. Is that what you're saying or? um that's how I feel. I mean, the, the memory that I'm having is, you know, us riding up and down the street in our neighborhood. And, you know, we saw some other kids and we were like, hey, come play. Mm-hmm. And the guy on the front porch was like, no, you can't play with them. And, you know, we were like, why? You know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you're black. You know, we don't play so with. Yeah. That's what he said to you? I mean, yeah. Okay. That's what he said. He was like, man, we don't. Okay. Like your kind. It was the exact words that I'm remembering. Okay, I see. Know? Right. Um, okay. Anything? Um, how old were you then? Oh, man, I had to be I'm trying to remember. It might have been second or third grade. I was a young elementary school kid. I okay. wasn't around then. Yeah. She was, <laughs> it was not even, she was a little car seat baby, I think. And where were you growing up at? We were growing up here in, in, in St. Louis County, in North County, in um, Riverview, in, in, um, the, uh, off of Chambers in West Florissant, that, that okay. Delwood area. Okay. Which is now a predominantly black, low-income neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay, do you have any thoughts, Zoe, or experiences? I have plenty. Um, we just had a recent one in the family. <laughs> yes, we did. But my first one, I was actually, um, I was, she's my best friend now, but we were trying to like spend the night and hang out. Um, I had known her for like four years already. I met her in second grade and I didn't, um, I couldn't go to her house until I was like in the sixth grade. So I met her in third grade or second grade and then sixth grade year I finally got to spend the night over her house um the first night I came over her brothers were like oh you like chicken and I'm like uh yeah it's meat and I'm in the sixth grade not really knowing what they're trying to refer to oh you want to make some kool-aid and I'm like "Mm, no not really I'm okay on that and then um we got to the dinner table and her dad said uh you know, Zoe, I actually like talking to you. You're you're a different kind. You're not like the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And I was only in the sixth grade, and I was like, whoa, what are you talking about? I'm not like the rest of who? And he was like, um, you know, black people, they're all loud and ghetto. And I'm like, I mean, you haven't even seen me all the way. You don't really know me. So how am I not like the rest of them? So mm-hmm. that was my first experience. I didn't realize it until... Mm-hmm maybe like eighth grade year whenever I was like putting the pieces together and I was like oh that was very racist <laughs> mm-hmm. so well, 
you mentioned something happening happening just recently. What what's been going on recently? Um, well, it was a kind of like a, we have a lot of interracial couples in our family, mm-hmm. and I really don't want to. As upset I am about it, and as much as I want to kind of be petty and really put them out there, I'm not going to. But one of the people that a close family member is in a relationship with, we were having a a, a disagreement about something in my life, and um, she didn't. She used the N word, and uh, well, her exact quote was, you know, she it's her fault that she let some thug n-word do that to her kids and we were i mean it's me and two other family members in the house you know in in like vicinity and you know i got upset i'm like that's that's wrong you know i don't like the person you're referring to but you're not going to use words like that around me and she told me that um it's her house she can use whatever words she wants she's going to marry one you know, and there are black N-words and there are white N-words and, you know, it's just a word. And, uh, for, you know, for me, that was extremely insensitive because for us, it's not just a word. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I agree. And it's not just like with this situation when I first heard about it. I mean, there's a lot of um, a lot of Caucasians, white people who do use the N-word, but like sometimes you hear it when they're singing songs or whatever contextually yes and it's the form like in in rap music today you hear n-word with ending with an a and the way she used it as (laughs) as as black people we call it the hard r because once you hear that r it's like whoa whoa calm down and in all honestly i mean even the a Word yeah, should be extinguished from our vocabulary. Yes, but um, the ER, the ER, it, I, it's just a, the culture about it. I don't know that ER changes it when you put it in that context of the hard R. It's, I mean, it, it in a way, I guess, because of culturally we've made it a different word, but it's a different word. Okay, in all the way, in every form. What are your thoughts about just what's going on in society with, um, you know, there's, it's just, I'm not like a real big news watcher, Mm -hmm. but I guess everyone's aware of just all of the unrest and everything that, you know, racism is just really big on, Mm -hmm. in our, uh, in society right now, as far as talking about it, concerns about it and all of that. Do you know when you're seeing all that? What um, what do you think about it? Um, my, my opinion is, I'm obviously aware that racism is still an issue. I don't believe that. I believe that the media has hyped it into the state that it is now, because in my experience, I have many white friends you know i train with white people who don't look at me any different than you know the next person i just spent a weekend um a couple months ago with my best friend who is white and out in lesterville missouri that's like what like 30 minutes outside of farmington i was the only black guy on this cruise with i mean 
a ton of rednecks. I mean, we're out here off in the woods that if any one of them, you know, would have had a, a hate, you know, hate in their heart, no one would have known where I was or would have been able to even find me, mm-hmm. you know, and... But I didn't feel any, I didn't feel any race. I mean, these are people that you, I mean, we're out here with lifted trucks, riding through the mud, you know, listening to country, you know. And I felt just, I didn't, I didn't know I was black. You wouldn't have known I was black, you know, then. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know. Yeah. Um, But my parents live down that way. It's pretty, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of pretty down there with the rivers and everything. But yeah. But go ahead. Um. Yeah, but at the same time, I do, I am aware, especially just recently that, you know, with just everything that just happened, you know, with our family member, that mm-hmm. racism does still exist. There are still people who, you know, I, I don't want to say that they're overtly racist, but maybe insensitive to yes. what we're saying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, you know, yeah, and then there are some people who just outright have hate in their heart mm-hmm. right did, did you have any thoughts Zoe um my opinion on the racism it's mainly I feel like like Devon said uh yeah it's definitely overhyped um some of the protests are um very much over like over mediaized like I don't know how to how to say this but like the media does play a part on it and make it seem like that the issue is like 20 times bigger than what it is um but personally i do believe like it's a lot of racial inequality a lot of um systemic racism and that's where a lot of it plays into so like watching it on the media definitely makes me very mad because like Ferguson we were here we, we lived there. in we Ferguson when all of that was yeah. happening mm-hmm. uh Devon himself has had a lot of um more systemic racism like he has been stopped by cops and uh, he is I've had, blind I've had police pull guns um, on me growing up and it's it's frightening that I have to live in a world like this where I have to have a talk with my kids in the future about how they should live and how and is i still have to as a woman interact with the police differently and it like devon has a a white best friend my my best friend is white as well um we ride around in her car more than mine (laughs) just because that i don't want to um eventually if i ever get pulled over i don't want anything to happen especially when she's around me um but it just it, it definitely makes me mad it and it also brings a little sadness to my heart, but as the media is making, hyping it all up, I'm starting to feel more numb to the fact that, like, our brothers and sisters or black people are continu- continuously being either murdered, shot, killed, however you want to see it. It just, I'm getting more numb because it's like, well, it's another another black kid shot by the police or shot by gang related violence or whatever so when you say systemic um like what what are you meaning by that like the system is set up um definitely for black people to fail well not really fail but it's definitely harder for us to prosper um i wouldn't say just because like 
we don't have the right resources. We have all the resources. It's just harder for us to get the resources because our our older generation don't really know about like ways to get investments or mm-hmm. find stock mm-hmm. or get actual health insurance that's not government provided. How to break those generational curses. Yes, and it's and it seems like sometimes it's no way for us to properly get the help that we need yeah, like, so then we bounce back to what we're used to like we like me and you zoe being in school you know yeah we have to grind to get our you know to get our education you know if if it wasn't for these scholarships and stuff yeah you know we wouldn't probably be at the schools that we're at especially me yeah. i um there's thirty thousand a year Yes, um, thankfully, Maryville just cut down their tuition to $26,000. It was $28,000, um, but I am on a full-ride scholarship through academics, and I have a $2,000 scholarship through Maryville Stunt. So if I didn't have all of my scholarships, I most likely would not be going to college. I would not be pursuing the dreams that I want. So it, it is hard breaking those generational curses. So you said there, like, there's resources available, but you, did you mention like, but older people don't know how to access them mm-hmm. and stuff like that? I almost yeah. think it is like they're stuck in their ways. You yeah, know? they're so stuck in just day to day grinding to um, just put food on the table and make ends meet yes. now that they kind of lose focus on the future. Like, what am I gonna do? now like i'm worried about now but what about later you know yeah what about my next generation that's that's exactly what you're doing right now with your kids and i i hate that um our older generation has not realized the fact that we are grinding we are going so hard Mm -hmm. barely sleeping barely eating trying to breaking our body (laughs) yes literally just so our future generation Mm -hmm. can be better than what we are our norm is yeah, I mean it's just jujitsu, Zoe. But you see how much I dedicate training, you know, to yeah. complete my goals. Yeah, for my kids ultimately. Yeah, you know, it. I I see it. Your all of your siblings see it. I just, uh, it's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what would you like done? Like, um, do you? Of course, you know, like racism, it's like a, it's a matter of the heart and mm-hmm. we can't like yeah. just zap people and make their hearts <laughs> right. I wish. But is but is there anything that um, we could do that you would like to see done? Um, yeah, we, we, we bounce these a lot of these ideas around. Yeah. Um, I, one thing yeah. I really, really wish um, a lot of people, a lot of a lot of white people don't realize like how they're raising their children. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's taught. Yes. Racism, racism is, is taught. definitely taught it. I know that. Okay. Devon has um, mixed kids. So I try to sh- tell them like, you don't see color. You see people. Mm-hmm. Y- you're not white or black. I, I am. Yes. I'll my skin is darker mm-hmm. than yours, but Hey, we are still all humans. We are still all people. I teach my kids they're not black or white. They're Americans. Yep. You know, if you ask them what what color they are, they will say they are gray. (laughs) (laughs) They say my daddy's black, my mommy's white. You add them together, that makes gray. (laughs) So they are they are gray. They are humans. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Um, I would like to see. um, I believe just from talking 
to a lot of people, um, you know, because I like, I don't want to, like, white culture, I guess. I like con- the con- being in the country and lifted trucks and things I guess you associate with, you know, you know, um, rural white America, mm-hmm. I guess, you know. I mean, Zoe, you see me in my hat, you know, my yes. cowboy hat, my boots, <laughs> you know. Um, but as I interact with other people, you know, who, I mean, I would get along with. We have similar interests. I've also noticed that a lot of the insensitivity to the black culture is just out of really sheer ignorance and and exposure Mm -hmm. to the black culture. Like, I've had people ask me, like, can you get sunburned? You know what? (laughs) Me too. Somebody (laughs) just asked me that. Can you get sunburned? I'm like, yes, I do. Or like when I had my afro, you know, and like white people would be like, I want to touch your hair, you know? Yep. Don't touch my hair. And like, you know, it's like, it's oily. Well, for us, we need the oil in our hairs, you know, to keep it healthy. So I feel like a lot of it is like, and I don't really have the answers to putting it all together, but I believe that there needs to be some cultural sensitivity to where, I mean, like even amongst black people, like we don't understand some of the things that white people do, Yes, you know? (laughs) And um, I believe that like there needs to actually be a point and obviously, you know, um, two little, you know, two little black kids from North County, you know, you know, or from St. Louis ain't finna, you know, really make much of a difference. But who, whoever it is that's trending and that has these people's attention, there needs to be people from both sides, from both colors, both political parties to actually sit down and truly have a heart to heart conversation about the issues instead of pointing the fingers of all, oh, you know, yeah. black people do this to each other in their own neighborhoods and and you know the white man did this to us all these years ago and we need to just really sit back and and honestly what I keep saying is cultivate a culture of grace and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I hmm. definitely agree. Yeah. Definitely agree. Well, um I guess one thing that um, is helpful for um, for me to keep in mind is that um, so many people want the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think almost almost everyone wants everyone to be treated the same, uh, and so forth. It's just, the differences come to, down to like among people, like well, what's the solution or what to, what to do, and so forth, and th- those are things. But I think. Um, just kind of trying to keep in mind that we all, you know, for the most part, I think, I hope, you know, want everyone to be, um, have equal opportunities and, and to be treated well, you know, in a just way and so forth. But, um, well, anything more on that, um, topic, do you, like, do you have any questions for me about it? my thoughts or are there any other thoughts that you guys want to express on the topic of racism just kind of curious about you know um the perspective of i just i see this amongst a lot of white people kind of like starting to like almost shame themselves for being white Uh yes and i'm like you don't have to do that you know Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's nothing wrong with being white. You are what you are, you Mm know. Um, I mean, just stand with us, you know. Yeah, Mm -hmm. um, I can say 
it was hard for um grace my best friend it was hard for her to um to try to talk about like black lives matter and stuff like that especially with her dad being racist and she has a black best friend and she she didn't know what to do so like um i just feel like not only like exposure and stuff like that just like educate like Mm -hmm. if you need help ask for it like if you don't really understand like the black culture or like why black people do certain things like i ask people all the time like why do white people do certain things like for the longest i didn't understand why grace washed her hair almost every day and i'm like why are you doing that you're gonna dry your scalp out she's like no it feels good it it, once it's too oily it's like it's time to so i was like yes just ask questions um Try to inform yourself or at least get the knowledge. Because although we are, you know, still humans and we're all still Americans, um, there is a a difference in African-American culture and and, and white culture. It's it's, it's different. There's just, I mean, we just seem to do things differently. We eat different foods and it's all based off of, I mean, the American, you know, the past and you know and you know like we the chitlins come from you know the the slaves you know getting the leftovers and things like that but it's it's almost like it's almost like i don't know there's just like a i noticed that with certain i mean i really hate (laughs) using the word white people but, (laughs) but like with certain other you know um people of you know european descent (laughs) Um, (laughs) that um, it's like whenever you talk about the topic of race they they get get defensive yes they get scared they get defensive you know because they're almost afraid to admit that it's um, a thing that it's a thing Mm -hmm. you know if they don't get offensive or defensive or like they just get scared they I know a lot of a lot of people don't like talking about it like they just shut it off immediately Mm -hmm. ignore it um, my dad is one of them. Yeah. He is yes, he's a black man, but he hates the topic of racism. That he hates the I, like I, he hates seeing color. No, you, I hated it too. I hated it. It wasn't until just recently with everything that was just going on, where it's like, you know what? This is gotta awful. stop. This is yeah. awful. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, but a lot of a lot of people, not even just not even just white people, a lot of black people too. They just hate talking mm-hmm. about it's, it. It's but sides. it's a it's a it's a thing. Like this is something we have to acknowledge it to overcome it. So that the society as a whole can get better in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, I've been listening to George Coleman. He's got a, not, no, Calvin Coleman. Man, I can, <laughs> his name's <laughs> slipping me right now. And, uh, Hope he won't be listening. <laughs> yeah, he's got a podcast. Um, Coleman Hughes, I'm sorry. <laughs> Coleman Hughes, that's his name. And... Um, He's got a, he's so he's a young black black man middle twenties I think but just really has an intelligent um, viewpoint on all of it where mm-hmm. it's not it's more nuanced where because it is kind of a messy situation um, like uh, so um, like sometimes I talk with people and they they have a problem with the organization Black Lives Matters mm-hmm. because yes. they say you know if you go to the website the they have like um, Marxist leanings and yeah. stuff like that, yeah. and and but they um, but these same people, you know, um, they want 
you know, everyone's life to be valued, mm-hmm. you know, and and um, and stuff like that. So it's just, um, and then like you said, the media um, has kind of um, the um, well, um, like sometimes, uh, you know, when um, in this country, well, I, I, I'm getting some of this from uh, Coleman Hughes. And um, I'm not like an expert on the statistics and stuff, but um, like we have uh, a lot of guns in our country. Mm-hmm. I was looking it up on uh, Wiki not long ago or somewhere on the Internet, and it was like uh, we have 1.2 guns for every person mm-hmm. in the United States. Mm-hmm. So um, it's understandable that when um, a police encounters someone, they're going to be more kind of hyped up or tense um, because um, they don't know if there's a gun in the glove compartment mm-hmm. or something like that. And that there's, um, so his opinion is that um, there seems to be something with like police violence that needs to be, um, you know, addressed. Maybe, um, I don't know exactly just what the answer is, but maybe there's some things that can help concerning that. But um, he says the media has kind of lied or uh, misrepresented things by um, um, putting out there, like, you know, uh, these uh, shootings of unarmed black men. Mm-hmm. And um, and he, he says the same thing's happening with unarmed white men mm-hmm. and it's kind of the same thing, but uh-huh. it the way it's presented, it looks like it's just one-sided. Yes, so... Yeah. Um, it's kind of um, that's kind of a d- distortion, he says. But I have some uh, some comments on that because I have had actually run-ins as a as a concealed carrier. Okay, I've had run-ins with the police, mm-hmm. and I was armed. Um, it was actually the the instance that I'm thinking of is so I was actually with my white best friend and another and another close friend of ours who was also white. Mm-hmm. And we were riding in a truck. And the thing was, is so we were going to get like a soda or beer or something. I, I don't remember what it was we wanted to get. And um, we turned into a store parking lot that was closed. And so me and my buddy, you know, um, unbeknownst to us, we didn't know. There was a fluorescent police officer. Mm-hmm. Now, my sister's always going to growing up. Fluorescent in St. Louis. That's one of the most notorious police departments mm-hmm. for known for just picking up, but just stopping everybody they stopped me because yes. i was going five over <laughs> yes like they will stop anybody and everybody yes. so i'm in the car and um, i think a lot of these issues come from training on both sides um people need to learn how to safely deal with the police because some of the things that they do are for their safety mm-hmm. but at the same time the police also need i think more training because uh, you know I, I think they need more training for controlling certain impulses because in self-defense, potentially self-defense situations, it's a split second, you know, mm-hmm. reaction. Yeah. And so this, this basically the story that I'm getting at is we're pulled over, me, my buddy, we're three guys in the car. I have three guns on me and a bulletproof vest. Don't oh, ask wow. why. Don't ask why. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I was, I, it was a, just a little rough time in my life and, you know, it was just some, some crazy things kind of happened. And I wanted to be ensured that I was protected. And so I was, you know, wearing a bulletproof vest. I had three firearms on me. And, um, you know, the police officer comes to the car. 
And he's very polite. I told my friends, I said, look, guys, I got this gun. And legally in the, in, in the state of Missouri, I have to tell him I have a gun. So I have to tell him. Okay. So you, I didn't know that, but yes. you're supposed to do that. Yes. If, you if they can. ask, if they ask yeah. if there's anything in the uh, vehicle that they need to be concerned about and you have a firearm, you have to tell them you have that firearm. Or if you don't, you'll be charged with unlawful use of a weapon. Okay. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be a felony at oh. that point. Okay. So... I'm telling him, you know, he comes to the car and I tell my friends like, y'all, you know, I unloaded the guns and at least the ones that I could. And, um, I told him like, I need y'all to put your hands on the dash. Just keep your hands on the dash. Don't say nothing. Just let me talk. Mm-hmm. So we get to the, you know, we get to the car, you know, and the cops like, you know, you know why I stopped you? My buddy's like, no. And apparently it was like, we closed into, we turned into a closed store and he has some really bright headlights that are blue. Apparently in the state of Missouri, you can't have the blue headlights on his, you know, or whatever. Hmm. So he, then he goes to ask, he says, you know, where are you guys going? And at the time we were actually, I remember why I had the guns now. Cause I was, I had a friend who was in town and I wanted to show him my new quote unquote toys, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, I had, you know, I had everything with me and we were going to see him. And uh, so the cop's like, do you have anything that I need to be worried about? And I'm like, well, officer, I am carrying firearms and I'm wearing body armor. And, you know, you could hear it, it in his voice that he was a little concerned, that he, he was concerned, you know, he, you know. He comes to my side. He's like, all right, I need everybody to just keep their hands up on the dashboard. You know, he stayed calm, but you could still hear in his voice that he was nervous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, he comes to my side and he's like, without pointing, he opens the door. And the first thing he says, you know, is, what's wrong with your eyes? You know, like mm-hmm. he looks me in my eyes and he's like, what's wrong with your eyes? You know, and I tell him I'm visually impaired. He's like, without pointing, he didn't tell me where the firearms are. So, you know, I told him where the firearms were, you know, and um, he got, he, he, he took, you know, he, he did his job. He took the guns. He, you know, he made sure the firearms were safe. Um, I had already removed the body armor. So the body armor was laying on the back seat. And um, he, um, you know, gets my friends out the car. And he leaves me in the car last. And so, as he, you know, as his backup arrives and, and everything, and he gets my friends out the car, then he comes to me. And he is, like, searching me diligently. Because one of the guns that he pulled out was, it's an NAA body, body uh, uh, NAA mini mag is what it was. Mm-hmm. It's a little tiny, like, fits in the palm of your hand, five-shot, single-action, twenty two Magnum revolver. Mm-hmm. Like, if... If I wouldn't have told him that he had the gun, you know, he would have had to just about molest me to find it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he gets me out the car. You know, he searches me. He pats me up and down and things like that. And, um, uh, you know, it's like, okay, I'm not going to put – normally I would, the, the, policy, the procedure is I'm supposed to put you in handcuffs. But you told me you had the guns. It's obvious you don't have anything to hide. I'm not going to put you in cuffs. Just go to the back of the car, stand there, you know, with your friends. And we stood there at the back of the car, and we talked to the police officers about the guns. And, you know, everything was done. Everything was fine and dandy. You know, we, uh, you know, he ran my guns. You know, we talked about the guns, you know, and things like that. He gave me back my firearms. We went on about our way, you know. But as I sit back and I think about it, I wonder how would the situation have go, first thing first, if I did not, you know, know my right my responsibility as a gun owner to to tell that officer that i had a gun Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if i didn't know um you know if i you know wasn't staying calm even though he was nervous if i didn't stay calm and get defensive and like Mm -hmm. you know you know why you got to do this and and all that stuff like a lot of people do black and white yeah you know Mm -hmm. dealing with the police 
And, you know, if I didn't just carry myself a certain way, mm-hmm. I believe that, that, you know, I think that things could have went south. Mm-hmm. But another thought also crossed my mind that what if I was in the truck with three black guys? Mm-hmm. How would that situation have gone? Because mm-hmm. um, I have had other situations where me and my mom's boyfriend, you know, we were walking and out of nowhere, three St. Louis County police cars come up, pull up on us and grab us and stick us in handcuffs. And they're basically like, yo, y'all been breaking in houses. And, and we're like, you had your cane that day. So. Yeah, I did. I had my blind cane that day. And I'm like, you want me to break? Are you telling So what without a lookout? What could I have possibly done? What could I have possibly done? There have been multiple occasions where, you know, I fit the description because of um, the way that I looked. Mm -hmm. I fit the description. And um, I understand that there is a a fine balance. I train with police officers. But I think from talking to one of my police officer friends, um, I believe that the biggest thing in order to to fix this issue is training mm-hmm. on yeah. the, especially on the part of the police officers because yeah. my friend he's a brown belt in judo mm-hmm. and he tells me that being a martial artist gives him more options dealing in dangerous situations where a police officer who does not have the martial arts training that he has in, in a scary situation what's the first thing he's going to go to he's going to go to his gun mm-hmm. you know where my friend, he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to deploy his firearm. He, he can go hands-on, put his hands on you, take you to the ground, and any one of the 67 Kodokan judo throws, you know, mm-hmm. and restrain the subject yeah. without harming them or himself. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that is the biggest issue. Um, the O'Fallon Police Department is spending a lot of money to overhaul their police department so that their officers can receive proper hand-to-hand training to properly restrain subjects. Mm-hmm. And my friend is actually going to be teaching some of these classes. So so one question that just came to my mind, like as being, so what, uh, how would you use a gun being blind? <laughs> as a family member, we have always asked the same thing. But Zoe, what have we learned? Um, he it, does go to the shooting range, definitely. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Definitely does target practice, and he brought home one of the targets, and I was like, "This, all of these are in the same spot. How did you do that?" But um, if I can hear it, I can hit it. If he, yes, that is a true statement. Um, hmm. Me being younger, him growing up blind, freaking, it's just so crazy because all my friends they come over. He's not blind. He, he I swear, he's not blind because he can walk through the house. He knows the house like the back of his hand. I throw things at you. He he can hit me um in the face with the pillow. Uh <laughs> his his ears are great. They literally if you lose one sense, you gain more heightened in other other senses. His ears are one of them. But okay. don't ask me why he talks loud cuz I guess he just can't hear himself. <laughs> okay. Um but one of the things that I have learned um being blind and handling firearms is I got to pay attention first thing first. Yeah. I got to be overly safe. I will safety check that gun three different times, you mm-hmm. know, after I just picked it up, you know. I might have just picked it up and removed the mag and racked the slide back and might have the round in my pocket and still will safety check it. You know, you never know when magic bullets might, you know. Yeah, you definitely did that last night standing at my door. You were like, man, where did this last bullet go? He literally just click, 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 click. I'm like, dude, I don't know where it is. He's like, oh. 
whew, there it is. Yeah. Just sitting so, in my pocket. I'm yeah, like, okay. Yeah. So I'm overly safe with, with, with firearms. Um, typically when I go to the range and train, a lot of shooting is in the grip. Um, and a lot of the statistics that I've read and many um, self-defense shootings and uh, officer-involved shootings, um, they were typically in low-light situations. So mm-hmm. there's my advantage right there. And they were also within distances of seven yards or about 21 feet. So um, that's closer than you think. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, a lot of shooting, at least for me, is in the grip. As long as I can properly point that firearm straight and control the recoil, mm-hmm. I can hit it consistently. Mm-hmm. Okay. Certain distances. I can't shoot rifles to save my life. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. That involves sighting it in and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And certain distances. And, but it's something with handguns. It's a direct extension of my hand, specific models. Like me and Glocks, I just point Glocks so straight, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. Well, I guess kind of moving on, like um, we heard a lot about Devon last time. So, Zoe, like um, what um, – so are you, are you religious? Are you part of the Christian faith like Devon is or something different? Or? Um, I definitely do practice the um, Christian faith. I – um, being a biology major, there has been a lot of um, questions I have within the Bible and then within like science itself. So, hmm. I mean, I don't want to say like I'm like dabbling in faith, but I definitely um, still believe and I do do believe in Jesus Christ. And I do um, go. I sometimes go to First Christian Church of Florissant. Um, I just am a busy lady and I work all the time. Mm-hmm. So me and work is kind of as being sadly as being a person of color. Like he said, we do have to grind hard. So I definitely uh, go to school, go to work. And Sundays I work all the time. So it's harder for me to get to church. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's almost of a certain socioeconomic level at this point. I mean, I have no white people that grind as hard as we do. I, I do, too. Yeah. I think it's a socioeconomic. I don't think. At this point in America, I don't think that it's black against white, no. even though they're trying to make it seem that way. I honestly think that it's poor against rich. Yeah, it's, it's the socio it's it's socioeconomic it's a socioeconomic war, but it, they're making it a race war because it's so much easier, you know, to provoke that than you know, you know, money. I mean, you know, in some instances, um, it could be it could be just money. Which is something that I was just telling you about the Delmar divide and gentrification. Mm-hmm. There, that's where the money comes into play. But like um, the way the system is set up and designed for um, Black people, like I said, it is harder for us to get resources um, because we do lean towards our elders, our elders, and try to get help um, from them, and they just don't know where to get it from properly, especially in modern day society. You hear all kinds of crazy, they're giving you wrong information. Yeah. Yeah. How to get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and like I said, that's part of, um, the race thing. And then like, um, what going along with like the black lives matter and stuff, the, um, justice system is another thing that's, Terribly screwed up. Oh my goodness! Up. Yes, um, yes. I think we. I think I don't remember if I talked about this on the last podcast, but um, 
one in ten men, Afri- one in ten black men in St. Louis are gang affiliated. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And in a city of like what we got like two point three million people, that's a lot. Of, there are so many gangs that I can't even keep track of what's what anymore. You know. Mm-hmm. And that's not even just Bloods and Crips. They've all banded together it, now and started yeah. their own things. You know? And I'm like, I don't even know what's what anymore. Hmm. You know, and I think about my instance on why I got involved in gangs. You know, I didn't have proper real, you know, a proper male role model. Mm-hmm. Um, watched my mom struggle and work her butt off to get really nowhere. But I see these dudes selling dope. And they pulling up on, you know, they pulling up in Cadillacs with big rims on them. You and know, they got guns, chains, yeah. phones, you know, girls, you know. It's easier to it's, get stuff the wrong way. Then, mm-hmm. then, as, then, yes, mm-hmm. especially in lower income communities. And mm-hmm. especially when do you, like you said, you feel like there is a system designed to keep you from getting it yeah. the right way. Especially it let, let you make a mistake and get a criminal record. It is practically Boom. impossible to get a job at get get a get a job that's you know not climbing telephone poles. Most of the felons I know they do the hard jobs. Yeah, you know if they don't want to go back to prison, they do the they do the you know the nitty gritty, the, the nitty, the yes. dirty jobs. They yes. do the dirty jobs. You know, with with um our brother, he um has a a criminal past, and it right now he is trying to get a job. And his background, he keeps failing his background check. Mm-hmm. Because he has a warrant, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. like, dang! And he, this job he actually has an, an associate's yeah, degree for. Associate's so he, it's like, I, I want this job, I want this job, but I can't get it because I have to either do time or pay the money, mm-hmm. and that's another thing. We don't have five thousand dollars or however much money yeah. for him to just pay off the the, the yeah, warrant. The so warrant. he would either have to do time, community service, and then at that point, it's like. I have to do this community service in a certain amount of time, but I still need a job. Mm-hmm. I still have to make money for myself. So that's a that's yeah. where that and so it's the like, justice system it's is It's a just, system. It's a system of, okay, you know, it's hard for me to make it the right way. So let's go out and get it, quote unquote, get it how you live. Yep. Let's hit this baking soda and, you know, let's sell this dope. Oh, crap. Now I'm in trouble. I'm because a, I done you know, got, caught, I done got caught selling dope to feed my family in some instances. And, um, you know, oh, you know, I'm in there. All right, I made a mistake. I'm in jail. I know I'm right. You know, let's get out and do it right. But, oh, man, nobody's going to give me yeah. a chance. So let's go back to selling dope. Oh, back in there again. Mm-hmm. It's a cycle, mm-hmm. you know. And it's almost like the system has conditioned it to be okay to go to jail they got tablets they have TVs, telephones telephones TV. like they have they live comfortable i'm scrolling down tiktok and i'm like man why am i on pr- the prison side of tiktok <laughs> me and my friend always talk about the prison side why are the prisoners they should have i'm sorry to say this they should have no freedoms you are in there for a reason for a crime. do your time do punishment. and don't give them a phone mm-hmm. so now you're conditioning them like oh we can get the same stuff that we get while we're outside with all of our rights we just can't three hots in a cot right we know? just can't um we just can't just walk around freely but we still got our phones we can still mm-hmm. communicate to people no no it's a punishment. you should 
and not only in there, you should be learning a trade a or trade, yes. learning something. something, getting your GED. So many dudes, yes, don't have GEDs. So many just dudes go don't in have, there, you know. Do your time. If you're in there for years, do you know that you can leave with a at least a degree of some, mm-hmm. sort, of some sort, a trade of some sort, so that when you get out, you can have a job lined up for you. But they don't do that. That was like, uh, that was like Brooks' brother, DJ. The last time DJ, the last time DJ actually sat down, and, and, and might I add, DJ's white, and DJ's from Festus. I call Festus the North Side for white people. Oh uh, yeah, because it's in some places the Festus is almost as grimy as as grimy as the city. I think drugs and low income is what really creates a lot of the problems that we have in society. Mm-hmm. And um, DJ, you know, last time he was in there, he got out, you know, he went in there doing some carpentry stuff and, you know, and he got out. And I think dude making like $2,000 a week just climbing telephone poles. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, well, um I guess (laughs) what's um, so what's the really big thing in your life right now like what's your life all about what's um, I guess just on a personal level um, you know what are you really wanting in life and so forth what's the biggest thing most important thing like go ahead I just want to be comfortable you know comfortable Um, I grew up we didn't always grow up having you know Everything, you know, it was almost like sometimes it was almost like, dang, I got to get food, but Amber yeah. won't take money, you know. Yeah, you no, know? it was, you know, Amber we've won't grown up, um, home, I, I've grown home, up homeless, yeah, we've been homeless growing um, up, you know, grown up making hot dogs out on the back porch because yeah. our stove and our stove, lights not the working. Gas and lights was off, you yep. know, because, because you know, the car got broke down and mama needed to, to, to drop $1,200 to get a new transmission so yeah. she can get to work to pay the bills. Right, exactly. Know? So, or my mom is working these long, long hours and mm-hmm. I get what you're saying. You want to mm-hmm. be comfortable. Yes, I completely agree. One thing that I want uh, that definitely is not, is greatly is not talked about I don't think in any community, it, the white community, the the people of color, the minorities. I just want to. This is sounds crazy. I just want to be happy. I just want to live a happy life. Well, that's like all right. life. Mental health is something that um, a lot of people don't mm-hmm. like pay attention to. Um, that's one thing that I'm struggling with right now is definitely my mental health. I just want to be happy. So, well, what makes for um happiness like um i guess like what's the ideal situation for you what would you like it to be for you um as far as like healthy mental health and the happiness that you're referring to um being accepting of everything not everything but like not like um i i want to accept my past um be prepared for my future and um in the present definitely try to strive and work towards being myself and being okay with being myself because a lot of people in society a lot of uh, specifically 20 year olds um it's hard for us to be ourselves because we're trying to be okay with society and also be okay with how our family sees us and how our friends see us and for me i just want to be okay with myself and what could happen in the future yeah um yeah, for whatever encouragement it is to you, that tends to come easier as a person grows older. That's yeah. how it was in my life. Yeah. I remember when I was 
young and just kind of um, more uncomfortable in my as my own person, um, self-conscious and so forth. Mm-hmm. But you know how older people are. They just don't care. Yeah. Oh, they just I, live I, their I, life. I cannot <laughs> wait till I get to that age because I have so many. I work at Walmart. I have so many old people that just come in and just say what they want. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, all right then. I'll see you next time. Have a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny. Um, I listened to Jordan Peterson some, and I read his book, 12 Rules for Life. Mm-hmm. And um, are you, have you heard his name, Jordan Peterson? Or no. Okay. So he's, uh, he's really interesting to me. And uh, he speaks about like um, pursuing meaning in life, that that's kind of a better route to happiness and satisfaction than pursuing happiness Mm -hmm. because happiness is kind of elusive like you know even if we had everything what we wanted would we still be happy i don't know but like pursuing something that's is meaningful to us um it seems significant seems important and stuff like that 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 can give us just a something you know just a good satisfying sense inside and uh I i can definitely see that yeah what um how are you um how do you think you you guys are growing right now like is there anything when you think of your life and you think this is what right now i'm in this stage i'm growing in this way like have you thought about that oh yes um you know i'm going through a divorce so that has taught me a lot about myself um you know and maybe opened up some flaws to you know who I thought I was and mm-hmm. you know and even just looking at other people you know it's it's opened my eyes to kind of examining people who are in your life because I mean people will tell you who they are you know they'll, yeah. they'll show you who they are and typically it happens pretty fast mm-hmm. you know just sometimes we are so blinded by <laughs> whatever it is you love. know love lust you know yeah money whatever that sometimes we don't see it and i think in my current season i am growing to just try to see people for who they are trying to cultivate you know um like i said a culture of grace amongst you know at least my intermediate circle of people who i interact with you know and um i want to just I'm just growing to just uh really just rediscover myself, my purpose, what it is that I'm put here to do. Mm-hmm. And um that's just how I'm growing. And I think also honestly I'm just learning to to just love people. Hmm. Yeah. I think I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. Um not even just loving people or um I can't say that right now I am definitely in the season of accepting myself finding myself and um answering a lot of questions within myself um i might be being diagnosed with bipolar disorder so like i a lot of tendencies that i have lack of sleeping and all this and that i'm finding that there could be an answer to why i'm doing all these things and and like i said accepting my past going to counseling doing things that are better for me as a whole and better for the people around me so that I don't have like these issues just happening for no reason and not giving people an answer or not having an answer. So yeah, I feel like um I'm learning more about myself every day. Hmm. So cool. 
Um, so, you know, you were mentioning learning to love more and um, you said you're in the same boat or you're uh, learning yeah. more about yourself. Yeah. Like um, what has, uh, is there anything in particular that has brought that growth about? Because um, I think like me and probably a lot of people would like to um, grow in the area of love, like being able to receive love um, from God and from others and being able and then being more loving and giving and um, finding joy in that and so forth. Is anything is anything behind that like um, that has is behind that growth or um, anything um, you can, can point to? Um, I'm first Corinthians 13. I'm trying to remember the exact verse. But it just talks, it just gives a description that love is kind, love is not boast, you know, it's not resentful, you know, it's not arrogant, you know, it's not self-seeking. It's when I try to apply those principles to my life of, okay, just be kind to people. Even mm-hmm. if I don't particularly care for this person, mm-hmm. I don't have to, you know, yeah. I don't have to, <laughs> I don't have to make it so overtly known that I don't care for you, <laughs> you know. You don't have to, you know, I might not have to be your best friend or, you know, or, or, you know, whatever. But it's nothing for me to say, you know, if you say hello, for me to just speak and say hello back. Or even yeah. speak first if I see just you. Just being cordial. You know, just that's, being cordial. That's um, that's what I do. Kill them with kindness, literally. Yeah, you hmm. know. Um, okay. To kind of um, just be understanding that, I mean, we've all sinned against the most high mighty God mm-hmm. and uh, it's the fact that we were at enmity with him you know and he still kept his promise to us after we clearly disobeyed him <laughs> um, there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to give the same grace to certain people just mm-hmm. because you know you may have wronged me mm-hmm. I don't have to hate you I don't have to watch you starve um, you know but at the same time, you know, I don't have to make myself vulnerable mm-hmm. to you to harm me again. Right. So it's finding that balance. I hear little people. That's <laughs> not your kids. <laughs> well, it, it's finding that balance. I mean, I'm still working at it. But I think the biggest thing is that I've just learned is that just loving people, just making the time to just invest in somebody's life, give them a, sh- a smile, you know, give them a prayer, you know. I, I, that's that's one of the biggest things I just learned recently from just talking to people, just random people, you know, just get this kind of thought in my head, like, you should pray for them. And I'll just pray for them. And, you know, it just seems like that has done more than to hmm. some people, making some people's days than any amount of preaching and Bible thumping and, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever it is that I've done. It's just simply, you know, loving people you know and just being um kind of content with where i am in my life and just still you know i guess even trying to put a smile on my face even during the hard days Mm -hmm. you know uh, i'm just beginning to see that in my life the people that i that god has you know allowed me to touch those are some of the ways that i've touched them by being you know being kind of silly and okay with being blind or you know Mm -hmm. being um you know, just the way of my view, my divorce, like, okay, I guess it is what it is. You know, if, if you like it, I love it, you know, hmm. and still bouncing back and, you know, still just not being bitter about my life. 
Because mm-hmm. we haven't even began to dive into how hard of a life, you know, that it is that we've lived, but still being able to smile and love, you know, and keep us in, in joke, you know. We haven't even been uh, began to what? We haven't even began to dive into some of the, oh, I the hardships that, you know. That could possibly come and that do come for some people. Yeah, I mean, just I've experienced now in the 26 years of living, you know, mm-hmm. you know. Right. All right. Well. I appreciate that. Yeah. That was good. And I think we'll wrap up. Yeah. I thought he went to go. <laughs> Deal <Yeah>. with dogs. <laughs> she did. Um, yes. Yeah, sorry. I definitely... Coda. Ugh. Yeah. That's my baby girl. Okay. <laughs> I had to let her in. I was like, she's not going to stop crying. Yeah. So, um, you, so anything you'd like to wrap up with? I was so? just... I was thinking um, when you were talking about like kindness and everything... Um, People go through, like, their own hardships. Um, the way I show grace is, like, especially working at Walmart, people come in with attitudes and have bad days. Um, I I work in the customer service industry, so I deal with a lot of people on their worst or going through their worst times. Just showing them, like, even though we're wearing masks in public, you can still see the smile on my face through my eyes, through the way I'm talking to you. Um just showing them like, hey, I, I, I know I, I don't know you. I'm not your friend. But like just going just going an extra mile, doing the extra, like the most for them. It's it's OK. Like, oh, have a great day. Some people are not having that good day. Some people don't even talk to some people and say like, oh, how are you doing? I know the genuine and ge- the most general answer is like, oh, I'm fine. How are you? But just reaching out and at least asking them, hey, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. That that goes a long way for some. So yeah. being in customer service has definitely helped me realize, like, not everybody has good days. And just, like, smiling and showing them, like, just giving them a smile that they have not seen before or seen in a long time can give them just that one little thing of hope or, like, show them, like, that – there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Things will get better eventually. So that's how I show my grace personally. Yeah. Well, thanks guys. It was, it's been good to get to know you all better and um, I've enjoyed it. And I appreciate your thoughts on all of these things. Thank you for having me. We appreciate you. Yeah. We appreciate you just coming out here. We know you drove a long way and I really appreciate it. Zoe didn't even know she was going to be on a podcast. Either. No, he was, Zoe, you want to be on? I'm like, whoa, be on the podcast. Whoa, I was not expecting this. 